For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. This is your last chance. After this, there is no turning back. You take the blue pill. The story ends. You wake up in your bed and believe whatever you want to be. You take the red pill. You stay in Wonderland. And I show you how deep the rabbit hole goes. This is Monica Perez waking Atlanta up to the true threats to our liberty every Saturday from 3 to 6 right here on 95.5 WSB. 3 to 6 when I'm not uh, making room for UGA sports and that's today. So, and if you want to hear every day, my producer Binkley and I do a, what we call the drive time news blast, because that's what it is. 30 minutes every day in time for your drive, where we just give you basically blast the news at you from our honest perspective. And it's pretty good. And you can find it at Propaganda Report podcast feed anywhere you listen to podcasts but you may have been following along with us as we talked about this whistleblower scandal about the bidens and the impeachment all of that but just since yesterday i found so much information about what's what is really going on behind the scenes with biden and the connections that his son has had over the years with some shady characters in some shady dealings so i want to i want to get to that now, Binkley, you and I have talked about, oh, this case. Okay, let me just reiterate what I said a little bit earlier, recap. Hunter Biden joined this firm, Burisma Holdings, in 2014 after basically the U.S. orchestrated a coup in the Ukraine. That's I'm going to say that because that is pretty much how I understand the definition of a coup. At the same time as Hunter Biden joined, his business partner, these are young guys, uh, but his business partner in a financial company, Devin Archer, also joined that same time, the Burisma Holdings. So I wanted to see who this guy was, and it ends up he had a conviction for major fraud where his co-fraudsters are spending years in prison. But he and he alone had his conviction, a jury conviction, overturned by a judge the judge's name was ronnie abrams and i thought that's weird so he has to go back to trial but she said there just wasn't enough evidence for a reasonable jury to think that he knew what he was doing was wrong something like that so i had to look into her because that was weird to me that someone so high highly connected whose conviction would have been a major scandal and was but now maybe would have come up more all of a sudden is the only one who escapes punishment in this uh, who was tried for this so it's this woman ronnie abrams is a judge she went get this to the dalton school does that ring a bell to you it does you know who that where who are two names are associated with the dalton school i can't remember offhand but i remember that they're prominent yes bob is it bill Barr? oh bill yes dad, epstein and bar right was the whatever head headmaster and yeah. I think the evidence is in that he hired Jeffrey Epstein he without any good reason. And this is at the same time that Bill Barr 
our current attorney general, was at the CIA. So when he was at the CIA, his father at the Dalton School hired this unqualified guy and who later turned out to be instrumental in uh, sex trafficking of minors. Okay, so this woman was there probably at the time, actually. I actually think she would have been there at the time. Anyway, but I don't think that's really relevant. She went to Yale Law School, which is very prestigious, well-connected, beyond... I mean, that's like to me a red flag. And you're talking to someone who has like credentials like that, but I didn't get into Yale Law School (laughs) and I can understand why. So, uh, but what was interesting to me about her is a couple of things. So this, I was looking for anything weird about the judge because there's like nothing weird in, in my bio, right? So like most of us, most 300 something million of us, you're not, if we had a wiki entry, it wouldn't have like military intelligence or <laughs> connections to Jeffrey Epstein, right? I mean, it just wouldn't. So when any time like you see a judge who has like five weird cases, I'm like, oh, he's the weird case guy. They pull him out when they need weird or when they want to make a point like the, I feel like it was there was a Kavanaugh judge like that. But anyway, so she had two notable cases in her background. One was that she had said there was sufficient evidence to go forward in the Katie Johnson rape case where this 13-year-old said that Trump and Epstein raped her. And you, Binkley, brought that case to our attention some time ago, and you had it right from the beginning. What's the? Just give us a couple sentences on what that case was about. Well, that case, it turns out, was... The person behind it was the former producer of a Jerry Springer show who was trying to make millions off of it. He's something he's done off of scandals in the past. And even the Miami Herald, who does everything they can to try and tie Trump to Epstein, found that that was a dead end. There's nothing and, there. And the case just uh, evaporated from what yeah, I can tell. It was uh, dropped. It just went away. Yeah, I, I couldn't even fi- find out how, like why. or It just went away. Probably when it came out that she was... Being promoted by a basically a circus promoter. Oh, yeah. So I've then, been to the Jerry Springer show. It's a circus promoter. Yes. And and this judge was the one who said that there was merit enough for it to go forward. And it's her alone that really gave this thing credibility. Ronnie Abrams. Really? So this is where this case, like this Biden case, I've never actually normally like you dig in enough and you find Republicans and Democrats on both sides of all of it. But I'm not seeing that. This is all Democrats, all. So so she was also on the emoluments case where some citizens were trying to sue Trump for because he had hotels where foreign dignitaries stayed. He was profiting from there. And I I was always baffled by the fact that they weren't suing him for owning for holding the lease on the U.S. post office in D.C., which is prohibited to elected officials. I don't understand. But anyway, she was on that case and she recused herself. You're never in a million years going to guess why she Ronnie Abrams recused herself from that case. So I'm just going to tell you because her husband, Greg Andres, became the assistant special counsel for Russian interference in 2016 elections under Mueller. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) So she's the one who got Hunter Biden's partner off the hook for fraud. Yeah. The guy who also sat on Burisma Holdings board. Okay, so. 
There's no conflict of interest. Well, there's in that. Oh, she, she might have recused herself from the Devin Archer case. Yes. I don't know. So, OK, so there are some dots. I can't really connect them beyond just dots. But there's more like remember that name, Greg Andres. He's coming up later in the story. So uh, what was the headline you were reading me? You were telling me something about Warren. What was that one? Elizabeth Warren was asked at her rally this weekend if her ethics plan would allow the son of a vice president to serve on the board of a foreign company, which is what Biden did. And at first she says no, but then it registers with her that she's being asked about Biden and she goes, uh, I I don't know. I have to check my plan. And everybody noticed that she like kind of. Oh, absolutely. Stumbled. Okay. So, but here's the thing. So they want to make it look like that, like it's nepotism, that it's just he's on this board and like that's screwy because he drew a salary or his firm got a fee. And I remember thinking that is small potatoes. Like, I mean, it was it was like a valid looking fee, even you know. I mean, I just thought this is not what's a big deal. I, I get that nepotism, yada yada, but. I just didn't think that the that the number was big enough. And as I dug into these guys, I'm sure I'm right because their numbers are big. And this is what I think. Now, this is pure speculation. I am speculating. But this is what I think is really going on over there. This is what I'm speculating. Okay, so it gets really complicated. Um, I'm going to give you just like an overview, like a, a, a bullet point, and then we can dig in. This guy, Mikola Zlochevsky, is the sole owner of Burisma Holdings. And he got those licenses while he was in the government, kind of the way Warner got FTC licenses. Like, it's a little screwy. So, but... But in 2014, so when all this stuff was going down and Hunter Biden got on the board, they installed the new government in Ukraine. Biden was going over there every other day. The this prosecutor at the heart of the story, Victor Shokin, I think his name was. I have a lot of names here. Shokin. Yeah. So he. So our guy, Jeffrey Pyatt, who was the ambassador to Ukraine, who was in our clips last week, he was trying to get this guy, Mikola Zlochevsky, up, Burisma Holdings, up on corruption charges. And everyone's like, well, clearly Hunter Biden wasn't stopping us from pursuing a corrupt guy. So the prosecutor they wanted to get out was, went to this guy, gave him a pass, like wasn't actually pursuing this, which is kind of the opposite of the story you're hearing. You're hearing that, Biden wanted him to stop pursuing Burisma, but he wasn't pursuing Burisma. We wanted him to pursue the guy who ran Burisma, and he wasn't doing it. He was pursuing a George Soros-related anti-corruption, quote, activism thing, which he was asked to stop doing. So we're going to get into that later, too. But what I think might have been happening is part of this George Soros network of things, the kleptocracy asset recovery initiative, democracy integrity initiative, ant act like an anti-corruption thing in Ukraine. All these things are about asset asset recovery, asset forfeiture. They accuse foreign people of being corrupt and then they take the assets. So I think there's a chance, I don't know, I'm literally speculating here, but the thing that makes those dots potentially connect is that they were running this guy out of town 
to seize the assets in Burisma, where Hunter was positioned, perhaps, and he had his financial firm with this partner, Devin Archer. Maybe it was a much bigger play than we're being told. And that's why when Shokin was like, I'm not, no. And then ultimately, this guy, Slochevsky, came back recently and may still have trouble, but they never really got anything to stick against him. Although I personally think that he and, like, I think there, I have never seen so much corruption in my life as digging into this Ukraine story. And that's what they say. Like, even Putin said it to the, to the president they ran out of town. He was like, you're awful. Like, I don't even want you in this country, but I know you're going to get murdered if I don't protect you. I told you you're stupid and corrupt every step of the way. Like, there's no heroes in this story. But I feel like that my, I, you know, I just wonder what is going on with this asset forfeiture. We're going to have to touch on that a little bit more because it's like, it's like the uh, a little too mind blowing right yeah. now. So let's digest, take a break. We'll maybe recap. You can give me a call if you want me to clarify 404-872-0750 or tweet, of course, at Monica Perez Show. We'll be right back and, and kind of like distill that a little bit more. Monica Perez. Evil does seek to maintain power by suppressing the truth. On 95.5 WSB, Atlantis News and Talk. We're knee deep in the real story behind the Biden scandal. And I will tell you, I there was a funny little wrinkle that I saw a whole article about that said, well, obviously Biden had nothing to do with anything because Jeffrey Pyatt, the ambassador, Biden, everybody was trying to get the Burisma holding guy in trouble to get him to be pursued as a corrupt actor. And that's why we wanted to get rid of that prosecutor. And I'm thinking, why would they want to get rid of that guy if he's the one who hired Hunter? But I don't know if he is because he was run out of Ukraine right when Hunter came onto the board of Burisma Holdings. Like he ran for it because they were after him. And from what they're conflicting reports, but I, from what I can tell, this guy Shokin would not did not pursue he was criticized by Pyatt anyway for not pursuing this and maybe that's how they're going to spin this for Biden but I think that there's another way to spin it which could be that they wanted to get rid of Burisma because this Shokin and maybe this is why Shokin was investigating not Burisma but the anti-corruption activist association funded by Soros and the United States government in Ukraine. So the prosecutor wasn't looking at Burisma. It was looking for the ones who were after Burisma. And maybe he was trying to figure out because this network of Soros anti worldwide anti corruption uh, activist groups actually get assets from foreign actors. They actually pursue corruption in foreign countries. And and it's completely outside of our legal jurisdiction to do so. And it's very questionable to do it in partnership with a private person. So they wanted they wanted Shokin out. Biden wanted him out, the prosecutor. The anti-corruption thing wanted him out. And and he did. And, and Biden is the one. And we can play it at the bottom of the hour right after the next break that Biden saying in his own words he got rid of this guy. So I think there's a lot to it. And if you want to look into it, if anybody wants to like pull on some threads here, the the operations, the Soros operations are it took a while for me to find the funding on some of these. But he's funded both the kleptocracy asset recovery initiative and the democracy integrity initiative. And this anti-corruption thing in Ukraine, Obama 
the Obama administration specifically requested that the prosecutor not pursue, there's many witnesses to this, not pursue uh, an investigation into that uh, act, activist group. So we'll play that clip of Biden right after the break. This is Monica Perez. Monica Perez. No, never give up, never surrender. On 95.5 WSB, Atlantis News and Talk. This is Monica Perez waking Atlanta up to the truth that's threats to our liberty every Saturday from 3 to 6 right here at 95.5 WSB. I am on till 6 today. Sometimes I'm not on uh, regular time because of UGA Sports, but that's okay. We, You can always find our show. Binkley and I do a podcast. We actually do a daily podcast, which you can find at any podcasting platform you like under Propaganda Report. And that's what it is. So... We're digging into this Biden stuff, and I personally think it should genuinely be investigated. The interference with the prosecutor over there, trying to, uh, whatever they were doing with this guy who was running Burisma Holdings, I think that there is a lot here, and it should be investigated. I I don't know, but I think that if it is, if if Trump at this point were to launch an investigation, it would be called a counter-investigation, it would be called abuse of power or an attempt to slow down the impeachment process, obstruction of justice. I mean, this was your theme, Binkley, where you say it, they frame it as being a Trump thing, so anything he does is a reaction. Yeah, like you said, anything's an abuse of power. And my takeaway is that if I'm a criminal... I want Trump to publicly call for an investigation into my crimes. Yes. And then you're already one in the court of public opinion. I'm home free. There's another thing that both of us noticed is that they they will overwhelm you with information. Yeah. And they're doing that now. They're releasing new documents on Biden saying that it's calling into question the timeline, which is a tried and true propaganda technique to cover up inconvenient truth from getting exposed. Is to do what? Is to release, is to flood the public yeah. with information that overwhelms them. And if you do it like an impa- a formal impeachment process, an investigation, or a court, you know how how cluttered up a, a court thing, like a trial, investigation, hearings, I mean, some is public, some is private. It just goes on. For, it can literally go on for years if they want it to. And you're never, it's going to be less clear. At the end, not more clear, but this particular thing should be investigated. And there's a chance that actually in Ukraine, they want to investigate it because there's some uh, conflicting reports of the guy who replaced Shokin. So the prosecutor Biden wanted to get rid of was a guy named Lutsenko. And I think he wouldn't play ball either. He was considered a hero over there because he spent two years in jail by the guy we ran out of town, the the president. There's tons of corruption. Like the, the democratically elected president over there who we ran out of town was thoroughly corrupt. Like it's Ukraine is the most corrupt thing I've ever heard of. So this guy was in jail at that guy's hands. And then when our people went in, they let this guy Lutsenko out. I don't know if he deserved to be in jail or not, but he's considered a hero by the West, which is. So you have a clip for me of Biden boasting about what he did. Uh, I, I There was an ending to the clip. I didn't have you keep on there, but he said, oh, uh, this Lutsenko is a super solid guy, whatever. But he likes Lutsenko. But anyway, let's hear this clip. This is Joe Biden at a Council of Foreign Relations 
issue launch. So Joe Biden uh, wrote an article with Michael Carpenter, who I suspect actually wrote the article about how bad Russia is. And they at the Foreign Affairs magazine, which is the the publication of the Council of Foreign Relations, had a launch party for the issue. And they interviewed Biden on this article. And here is an excerpt from that interview. The Donbass has potential to be able to be solved, but it takes two things. One of those things is missing now, and that is I'm desperately concerned about the backsliding on the part of uh, uh, Kiev in terms of corruption. They made, I mean, I'll, I'll give you one concrete example. I, I, I was, not I, I, but it just happened to be that was the assignment I got. I, I, I got all the good ones. Uh, uh, and uh, so I got Ukraine. And uh, um, I remember going over convincing our team, our <coughs> others, to convincing us that we should be providing for loan guarantees. And I went over, I guess, the 12th, 13th time to Kiev. And, uh, and I was going, supposed to announce that there was another billion dollar loan guarantee. And I had gotten a commitment from Poroshenko and from uh, Yatsenyuk that they would take action against the state prosecutor, and they didn't. So they said they had. They were walking out to press conference. Said, "No, nah. I said I'm not going to. We're not going to give you the billion dollars." They said, "You have no authority. You're not the president." The president said, "I said call him." <laughs> I said, "I'm telling you, you're not getting the billion dollars." I said, "You're not getting the billion. I'm going to be leaving here." And I think it was what six hours. I looked. I said, "I'm leaving in six hours. If the prosecutor's not fired, you're not getting the money." Oh, son of a. <laughs> got fired. And then he, the last line was, uh, and he got replaced by a super solid guy. But the guy they insisted on getting fired, one person who insisted on getting Shokin fired was the head of this ANTAC, this anti-corruption activist group that that prosecutor was investigating. That is an organization that was paid for by the U.S. government, by George Soros, uh, in and. Soros's other similar initiatives are called the Kleptocracy Asset Recovery Initiative, the Dem- Democracy Integrity Initiative, where they go uh, up against foreign people and foreign entities and seize their assets as a result of corruption probes. But in my mind, I don't know what process they're going through to steal people's stuff or how they determine who and who they are not going to accuse of corruption, how, how they target these people. So I really smell a rat with that. And then Biden saying he got that guy fired. And that was the guy who would not run the head of Burisma Holdings out of town. And then the guy who replaced him, who Biden called a super solid guy, I think he wouldn't do it either because that Burisma guy finally came back last year or the year before. Now he's still got some trouble. And I'm uh, I, nothing in my mind thinks makes me think that this guy is on the up and up. Don't get me wrong. But I think that they were after him, not because they cared about corruption, but because they liked his assets. So, so, and they actually tried to keep London from returning to him his assets. But uh, there were $23 million that they had frozen of this guy's. And I think Lutsenko, the, predis- the, the successor of Shokin, those prosecutors, I think he would not. I don't think either of those guys would participate in... Uh, having London keep that guy's assets. Now, I don't think any... I've never seen evidence that anybody over there is on the up and up. So my guess is that these are loyalties, that these are... The people are on different teams or 
maybe there's there's mob stuff in there that they don't want to get tangled up with. One of the guys, a banker in an Estonian branch of a Den- Danish company, was found dead on his property, and this guy was at the helm when some very funny money laundering stuff was going on that related in some way to the Browder Magnitsky story. And this guy, they said he committed suicide and was found in his backyard, but the police were looking for him for two days before they found him in his backyard. So I consider that a fishy story. And I'm just saying, like, I'm not saying these guys are heroes. I'm just saying sometimes when you're in the soup, you're like, you know which <laughs> how to get to the rim. So I really don't know like this. I'm just trying to piece this stuff together. I would love to see a real investigation that you could actually get to the bottom of this because there's so many different interests and funny business. It's it's not a it's not common or okay to to tell other places who to investigate and who not to investigate. So, but that's that's some of this stuff. But all right, so let's get back to the Hunter Biden and his business associates. So he's got this Devin Archer guy. Devin Archer was a roommate of Chris Hines, John Kerry's stepson. Very rich guy. They, the Hines family's investment arm is called Rosemont. So Hunter Biden and Chris Hines created a company. I think they were like the founders and the owner and Devin Archer was a managing partner or some kind of partner. Now it's called Rosemont Seneca. So this guy, Devin Archer... Took that sat on the board with uh, at Burisma at the same time that Hunter Biden did, and he was later in I think 2018 convicted along with some co-conspirators of a fraud where they issued bogus bonds of a, a an American Indian tribe. And then they took the money, so they sold it to investors and took the money and bought, like, luxury goods and stuff. Like, there were no real bonds. I guess the tribe was going to be on the hook for this stuff. And this is a guy that worked with John Kerry's stepson. Yeah, he was considered a partner. Maybe, let's, from what I can tell, he was a junior partner at Rosemont Seneca. And Hunter Biden and Chris Hines were the senior partners. And these are young guys. Like, Hunter Biden was the guy who, not too long before this, around that time, actually... He was kicked out of the Navy for testing positive for Coke in 2014, I think, is what I... I have to double-check that date, but I think that's what... That can't be true. Anyway, he was kicked out of the Navy for Coke, and he just... He's generally regarded as a ne'er-do-well, I guess, not not the superstar that his brother is portrayed at, his brother who died of cancer. So, so, okay... Let's, okay, so let's say, all right, so Devin Archer, Chris Hines, and Hunter Biden did Rosemont Seneca. They partnered with James Bulger, Whitey Bulger's nephew, and the son of Billy Bulger, who basically ran the table in the state legislature of Massachusetts for a long time, and was close with the Carries. Billy Bulger's close with the Carries. And those four kids got together and formed a, a partnership with the, the Bank of China, which is a government entity. So these are whippersnappers. I mean, no, they're maybe 40 years old. I don't know how old they are. But they're, they had no, no legs on this thing. It's, this, this part of the story is described in that article by Peter Schweitzer, which is an excerpt of his book. 
And it says these these kids put this together. It is very hard to get that kind of high level access in China, but they did. And they formed this joint venture just at the time that John Kerry, who was the Senate Foreign Relations Committee chair and Joe Biden was the VP, were pivoting to Asia and conducting high level negotiations in Asia. And around the time, like within 10 days of signing this big deal or one of the big deals of this company, Hunter Biden traveled to China to conduct some of these negotiations on Air Force Two and was welcomed by a delegation on a red carpet. And if you, from my understanding of how it works in China, I actually knew, I I knew a high-level political guy. Like, he wasn't personally my friend, but I knew him, I knew of him, and I was familiar with his story. He was a politician. And he got this super high-level job at, like, a very prestigious private equity firm and I knew he had no finance background at all and I was just like dumbfounded and then I realized that he had connections in China and he was viewed as a powerful politician and he had political connections and they think and they're probably right that that's how you get stuff done over here so when you show up on Air Force Two (laughs) with the with the son, uh, the stepson of the Senate Foreign Relations guy and the vice president. I actually, Kerry wasn't on the plane that time. But when all your connections are high profile in the news and then you start signing up on these deals, it is it has the appearance of impropriety, let's say. So, but this saga continues, and I will continue at 404-872-0750, or you can tweet at me, at Monica Perez Show. Monica Perez. It's all real. Oh, my God, I knew it. I knew it. I knew it. On 95.5 WSB, Atlantis News and Talk. I love that drop. Okay, so we're talking about the Biden thing. I have to bring in another Biden. So Hunter Biden also had a partnership, not just with Devin Archer and James Bulger and Chris Hines, but he had a partnership with Jim Biden, Joe's brother. And Jim Biden has his own accusations of funny business, which he denies categorically, but it happens to reflect what these other guys seem to be up to. Some or Devin Archer's buddies were into fraud. This guy is being accused of fraudulent dealings to sell a, uh, to prompt an investment in an oral care company like a rinse that prevents cancer. And he promised that his brother, Joe, would promote this product in his cancer initiative. Joe had a cancer initiative after his son died, but that cancer initiative folded. I don't know why. And, but what he's being accused of and denying is that what he was really trying to do was to steal the core business model and then bankrupt that company. And I guess maybe leverage that core business model somewhere else. The story was very short, but it just reminded me of Silicon Valley where they, they interview people and they brain rape them. That's what they call it. Like they just talk to them so they can get all their information and use it at at, at a competitor. So I don't know if that's what it is, but he denies it. Okay. But here is, how much time do we have? All right, so Hunter Biden is in a business with Joe Biden called Paradigm. It's a finance company, Paradigm. Paradigm. Yes. 
that had a joint venture called Paradigm Stanford run by a guy. See, this is where being always up on the news, you know, what threads to pull. I was like, Stanford, Stanford, Alan Stanford. He was convicted of the biggest Ponzi scheme I ever heard. He's serving a 110 year sentence on $8 billion worth of fraud. And I remember it got like, no, I mean, it was the Madoff scandal, I think was smaller, but got so much press. So I looked into it and this Alan Stanford was like, these guys were in bed with Alan Stanford and you never even heard about it. Guess who prosecuted Alan Stanford? Prosecuted Alan Stanford, a guy named Greg Andres. Oh. The husband of Ronnie Abrams who got Devin Archer off the hook for Freud and so I just thought it was kind of funny that he prosecuted Alan Stanford but Jim and Hunter don't even come up when they talk about the Alan Stanford thing and um, you know just uh, just curious anyway I think we're going to wrap this up and move on to Greta after the break this is Monica (laughs) Perez